Hey, welcome to the Word Weaver podcast, a place dedicated to the powerful web words weave and the deep layers they uncover. Here you'll find a compilation of tips, tricks, and words of wisdom from writers, authors, creatives, and entrepreneurs. Basically, cool people doing cool things in the world and how they've used words as weapons of mass creation and inspiration. You'll also hear from me, your host, Louise Johnson. I'm a former marketing maven in New York and Switzerland. I left a lucrative job to follow my dream of becoming a writer. It's a never-ending journey, so I figured we should all be in it together. I've learned a lot along the way, but it's a constant evolution. My favorite part is how little by little, letters turn into words, words become sentences, sentences become paragraphs, and before you know it, you've created something from nothing. And whenever that happens in life, it's nothing short of magic. So grab a coffee or a glass of wine, and let's dive into today's chapter. Hey, welcome back to the Word Weaver podcast. You are listening to chapter 19. There are very few things that I love more than a fresh blank notebook. I know that sounds crazy. Hopefully some of you out there are just like me so you know exactly what I'm talking about. But there is something about cracking open a new moleskin that makes me unreasonably happy. So if you're school supply obsessed like me, then this chapter of the Word Weaver podcast is dedicated to you, my friends. Also, throughout this podcast, you might hear the crackling of a radiator or rain outside the window, and that's because it is raining, and there is a radiator crackling. It's freezing cold outside, so the radiator's on. I absolutely love this weather. I'm looking out the window and can see the falling leaves. I can see the rain. It's so nice, but I know that for audio quality, it might be a little distorted, and I love to give that disclaimer because this is something that I do for fun. I have not invested in crazy high-tech equipment. I am not getting paid for this. This is something that I do because I genuinely want to connect with writers, authors, creatives, and entrepreneurs. I want to share with you everything that I've learned throughout this whole writing process because God knows it's challenging and it can be really lonely if you don't have somebody to talk to or bounce all of this off of and something that I wish I had when I first started my book journey. So that being said, if you hear some crazy noises in the background, just know that's why. For today's topic on the podcast, I really wanted to tell you how I organize my life and give you some inspiration of 10 ways to fill your notebooks because for me that has been an absolute game changer. As I said earlier, there are very few things that make me as happy as opening a fresh notebook and I know it's pretty basic of me to say but I love moleskin. I think some people pronounce it moleskin. I'm going to say moleskin, so I'm sorry in advance if that's incorrect. But those are my favorite notebooks. It's not sponsored in any way by them. I mean, if they want to sponsor me, hell yeah, I'm all for that. Moleskins are the notebooks that I tend to lean towards, but I also like luch term. I cannot pronounce that word at all. I'll link it for sure in the show notes so you'll know what I'm talking about. The two are very similar. I always get mine at chapters. And again, I'm open to any kind of notebook. My family knows that I'm obsessed with them, so I get a lot of different ones for Christmas. And anytime I'm in a chapters or a stationery store, I'm always picking up a new notebook to try. So I like all of them. I definitely gravitate towards moleskins though because the colors are pastel, they're plain, very simple. They come in soft and hard covers. And it's an easy way for me to differentiate between all of my notebooks quickly off my shelf while also being very aesthetically pleasing. I also love to use a good fountain pen when I'm writing, so I like to ensure the page quality doesn't bleed through, and both loose term, 
again, I cannot pronounce that word, and moleskin notebooks have really high quality paper. So if you're using, I use a Uniball Vision needle pen and it does not bleed through. So that's one big bonus of why I love getting them. And they come in gridded, lined, plain, which means like blank paper or dotted versions, depending on what you want to use your notebook for, which I think is amazing. And they all look the same on the outside, just different color variations. It's so funny, for this podcast chapter, I actually started Googling Moleskin because I wanted to learn more about the history of the company and why I'm so enamored with them. Why do I gravitate towards that notebook specifically? And I was really fascinated with what I found. They are an Italian company. They're based out of Milan. And the idea for a Moleskin notebook, it was to bring back to life kind of the idea of a legendary notebook used by the great artists and thinkers of our time, like Vincent van Gogh, Picasso, Ernest Hemingway, Bruce Chatwin. They all carried these types of plain, simple, high-quality notebooks with them wherever they went. And I just love that idea of connecting with the visionaries of our past. I know I'm probably being completely marketed to with everything they have on their website, but I really buy into it. There's For some reason, I love this idea and really the quality craftsmanship, the aesthetic. I do feel like these are books that I want to keep on my shelf and treasure them. They're all used with recycled materials. Honestly, I should be a spokesperson for Moleskin, but I just want to let you know what I use, why I like them, because this is an entire podcast chapter dedicated to notebooks, how I fill them, and how I organize my life. I wanted to give you all the information up front so you know exactly how I do it day to day. If you're anything like me, let me know in the show notes, on iTunes, comments on Instagram, but my writing always starts off super small, really neat whenever I open a new notebook. Everything's very well organized. And then by the end, it's a mess of scribbles, the worst writing ever, it looks like chicken scratch or like I'm two years old. Random lists, incoherent thoughts. And it used to really frustrate me because I could never find what I was looking for at the end of a notebook, I would go, okay, what is actually in here? And I had thrown everything in there because I would just carry around one notebook and when it was done, I would get another one. A few years ago, I developed a system that's worked really well for me and now I use a different notebook for different topics. I have between five to 10 different notebooks at any given time so that I always grab the exact one I need immediately off the shelf and I always know exactly what I'm going to find in each notebook. And then if there's any topic that needs to be divided down further, I will use sticky notes in a notebook to kind of tab different ideas or thoughts. And that helps me find things really quickly. So for example, one of my notebooks is filled with article ideas. Sometimes I'll have lists, sometimes I'll write out articles in full if I have a lot of points that I want to get across. And then I'll use the sticky notes to quickly find a travel article that I've written or a personal essay or a timely news peg. So that way when I grab my articles notebook, I know exactly where to find everything that I want. If you're looking for inspiration of ways to use your notebook, how to have fun, refresh, and organize them, here are 10 ways that I use to fill my notebook and how I organize my life. I had a way with words for a while. I'll start off with the first and most important notebook that I use every single day without fail, and this is my habit tracker and daily life notebook. 
For me, I use a gridded black hardcover moleskin, of course, and honestly, I could not live without it. It's taken me a long time and a lot of trial and error to discover which organizational methods work best for me to accomplish not only my daily to-dos and tasks, but also to ensure that I'm working towards bigger goals and being productive overall. As you can probably guess by now, I prefer pen to paper by far to technology, so I really need to write things down and commit them to memory for me to get them done. There's also just something really satisfying about crossing an item or coloring in a little checkbox on a to-do list that a computer doesn't give me. When it comes to calendars, I don't use electronic computers. I don't use my iCal or Google Cal. I know a lot of people love that and that's great. It just didn't work for me. But the one thing that I do use a computer for is Excel. And I've created on my desktop, I save a master to do life tracker in Excel where I brain dump anything at all that comes to mind that I wanna get done. It can be a small task, it can be a big task, and I have different tabs for different projects in this Excel tracker, but it's the one place that I put everything that I want to do at all. When I can, I try to put a month beside it and a due date so that I can sort through it quickly and find out the big tasks or goals for each given month. The thing with having a master tracker or a master to-do list is that you actually have to use it and you have to refer to it. Otherwise, it's kind of pointless. I used to have notes on my notes app, on little pieces of paper in various journals, and I would never transfer them to my giant to-do list. So a lot of things would get lost that way. But I'd say for the past year, I've been really diligent about using my master tracker for any little thing that comes up. I just put it in there because I know I'll come back and sort through it on a monthly basis. And that is where my most important notebook comes in. As I said, it's my habit tracker and daily life notebook. So at the beginning of every month, and I actually really look forward to this on the last day of the previous month because I get to start fresh for the month ahead. And for this, I'll use November as an example because it's almost the end of October, which is crazy. But I will take all of the big goals from that master tracker, master to-do list on Excel and file them away or sort them by month and write each item that needs to happen in November, maybe some that need to happen in December, and put them into my notebook in my gridded Eisenhower matrix for the month of November. For more on how I use an Eisenhower matrix, you can go back and listen to chapter 15. It's called Five Ways to Prioritize and Protect Your Writing Time. But I talk a lot in that podcast chapter about the Eisenhower matrix and how I use it for my to-do list now. Essentially, it takes a giant master to-do list and breaks it down into smaller steps of what's most important and time-sensitive. So it helps you prioritize what to do first and what to spend your time on, what you can also delegate or outsource, and then the items that you can remove completely. It's really helped me prioritize things and stay on track or remove things that were taking up a lot of time that weren't necessarily important. After I've written out my Eisenhower matrix for the month, I will create a habit tracker for the same month. This is always fun to do. I grab multicolored pens and I write the numbers 1 through 30 along the side of my notebook in each little square. 
Then down the side, I write down my daily, weekly, and monthly tasks or habits that I want to accomplish. A lot of these are self-care kind of tasks, but they're things that make me feel productive. So if nothing else gets accomplished in a day, at least I can go back to my habit tracker and I feel good about these little things that I have accomplished. It's also really addicting and really fun to color in the little squares when you do a task. So you're more apt to do it because you want to, at the end of the day, if there's one little square that you haven't colored in, you are more likely to get up and complete that task. For example, some of the things that I write in my habit tracker are making my bed, vitamins, did I take my vitamins that day, workout, did I work out that day, 10,000 steps, food diary, I'll get to that in a little bit, but did I write in my food diary, that's a habit I want to make sure I do daily. Skincare, did I do a full skincare routine or did I sleep in my makeup that night? Did I floss? A hair mask? Did I water my plants? Read? Laundry? Did I clean the apartment? Did I clean my bathroom? No alcohol. This is one that I was trying to do one month, so I put all the nights that I didn't drink alcohol and I felt so good by the end. You don't have to do that every month. But again, that's the fun part of doing a habit tracker. You can change the different habits that you want to do each month and you stay accountable for that. Another month I didn't want to drink coffee, so I put no coffee as a little square that I could color in. And then other things are, did I get a good night's sleep? And actually tracking my mood as well. Did I have a good day? Do I feel good? Do I feel tired? Because by the end of the month, I can go back and reflect on, oh wow, the days that I didn't get a good night's sleep and the days that I didn't take my vitamins or work out, wow, it really did affect my mood. I know that's common sense, but until you physically see it on paper, sometimes it doesn't resonate with you. I think habit trackers are very common in bullet journaling, which I think is fascinating. It's a little too much for me, so I've kind of taken my own twist of that and incorporated it into my daily notebook habit. So in this notebook, again, I have my Eisenhower matrix for the month, I have my habit tracker for the month, and then from there, I use it as my daily agenda or my daily to-do list. I used to have a separate agenda, but now I just use a wall calendar to get everything at a glance, and I'll use this notebook so I can always go back to my habit tracker each day, look at my Eisenhower matrix, and I'll just use each blank page to write a new to-do list for each day. This has been the most productive way for me to get stuff done over the last year. And again, like I said, it took me a lot of trial and error to figure out what method works best for me. So it might not work for you, but just wanted to give you my two cents of what works for me. Next up is a gratitude and goals notebook. I used to think it was kind of cheesy and silly to write down what you're grateful for until a friend of mine started a Grateful Tuesdays email thread. And for some reason, getting the opportunity to reflect on what other people were grateful for, as well as what I was grateful for, really changed my whole mindset moving forward. Some things that you're grateful for you might not feel comfortable sharing in an email thread with strangers, so having a private gratitude and goals notebook can be really beneficial. I tried to make it a daily practice to write down at least three things that I'm grateful for, but if I forget to write in it every now and then, I don't beat myself up about it. Now that I've been doing it for a while, it's funny because I now notice that I usually come back 
to my gratitude and goals journal the most in periods of high stress. There's something about having this separate notebook that calms my mind, it makes me feel grounded by writing down what I am grateful for in the middle of overwhelm. It helps me flush everything out of my brain and I look back on it and I go, wow, I do have a lot to be thankful for. I really shouldn't be this stressed or overwhelmed about anything. In this notebook, I also keep track of big life goals and then also short-term goals that I can reflect on monthly or a quarterly basis to see what I've accomplished. Speaking of accomplishments, I've also started using my gratitude and goals journal lately for writing down my accomplishments. This is something, I think it was Kristen Martin. I had her on the Word Weaver podcast and it's something that she does that I've incorporated into my daily practice whenever I'm feeling imposter syndrome, stressed or overwhelmed or like I'm not good enough or I'm not doing enough and I write down three to five things that I'm proud of that I have accomplished in my life because it's easy to get down and feel like a failure but when you write down and see how far you've come it really does motivate you to keep moving and achieve your future goals. A third notebook that I keep is for quotes and inspiration. I listen to a lot of podcasts and I love to read really great books and whenever there are some quotes that I want to remember like oh that's such a good line that really resonates with me I try to jot it down in my notebook or in the notes app on my phone or tell myself I'll come back to this podcast episode and listen to it later, but usually I never do or I forget to even check that note. So I've found that having a dedicated notebook for all of this inspiration, all of my favorite words of wisdom, this has become super, super helpful. Even if I'm walking somewhere and that's when I usually listen to podcasts, Oprah's Super Soul Sunday, there's always a quote that I'm like, oh, that's so great. I really want to remember that. I'll put that in my phone. And now because I have a dedicated notebook, when I come home, it's sitting on my shelf. I really do remember to take that note or I try to text it to myself to remember when I get home and put it into that quotes and inspiration notebook. There is something about having a dedicated place for things that makes it easier to follow through with the action. And having a quotes and inspiration notebook has become a great resource for me to flip through whenever I'm feeling uninspired or want a burst of creativity. I have everything that has ever resonated or ever inspired me from books or podcasts in one place. The fourth notebook that I have is for article ideas. As a freelance writer, I have a few clients that I regularly write for, so for them I'll put in this notebook ideas or topics that I want to write for them. But again, the beauty of being a freelancer is that I can also pitch editors from any newspaper that I want to write for or any magazine on articles as well. The problem is I often have too many ideas that I never get around to writing them because I have so many things on the go or I'm writing for a client and I get so excited about everything that I never actually come back to that original idea. And I used to jot ideas down for articles on the fly whenever it came to me. It could be, again, in my notes app on my phone, on a napkin, on a random piece of paper. And then when it came time to write, I could never find those original fresh ideas. Having a notebook that is just for articles has been super helpful as a writer. I make sure that this one is smaller than my average notebook. It's pocket size so that I can toss it in my purse 
or bag wherever I'm going. If the idea comes to me, I always write it down. And then I make lists of topics that I want to write about someday. I have editor names and contact information. And then I even do flush out full points or ideas in this notebook. Even if it doesn't make my final article cut, at least I can come back and it might spark a new idea. The fifth notebook that I have is a food and fitness tracker. I know that sounds kind of boring and it's a little cliche, and you might be thinking this has nothing to do with being a writer, but I really do believe documenting your daily life and the practice of writing things down, whether that's a list of what you eat that day, what you do to work out, is actually part of being a creative mind and thinker. Not to mention it keeps you accountable. I first heard about the idea of keeping a food diary from Carrie Underwood. I am not her biggest fan. I like her. I just don't really listen to country music. But for some reason, I read this in an article and it always stuck out to me because I've tried apps like MyFitnessPal to track what I'm eating. And I'm not trying to limit myself. I just like the process of writing down what I eat and being able to reflect and get to the bottom of how I'm feeling physically based on what I put into my body. If you think of your body as a machine, of course, if you're putting crap into it, you're going to feel like crap. So for me, I really wanted to evaluate, why do I feel like this? Is it because of what I'm eating or drinking or not doing? Or is it something else that's making me feel sluggish and tired and brain foggy? By documenting what I eat daily, the exercise that I'm doing, and exactly how I'm feeling on that day, I actually was able to determine that I have a little bit of a lactose sensitivity. I noticed that on the days that I had any form of dairy or milk, I was really bloated, really tired, really out of it. And then as soon as I switched to non-dairy products like coconut milk and my coffee even, that I felt a lot better and that was a big kind of aha moment that literally what you put in can determine how you feel. It's really common sense, but until you write it down, I don't think you actually recognize what is going on. It's easy to blame it on all these other factors until you see it in plain writing. My food and fitness notebook also keeps me accountable of when I work out. And of course, again, it's not rocket science, but when I go to a hot yoga or Pilates class or out for a run, I always, always, always feel so much better. And that's documented in how I feel that day, which I also write down. In this notebook, I track my water intake. That's one thing that I really wanted to up as one of my kind of New Year's resolutions. I don't really believe in New Year's resolutions, but it was kind of like an ongoing goal that I had every month to drink at least three liters of water a day. I bought a Nalgene bottle that I only had to refill twice. So I knew if I had two of these Nalgenes, I was going to hit three liters. And tracking that really helped my skin, my metabolism, everything. I felt so much better. And I was able to use this journal to kind of track all of this progress. I think of kind of my gratitude and goals journal and my daily to-do list as trackers for my mind. And then this one is a notebook that tracks how I feel physically. A sixth way to use your notebook and one that I currently use is dedicated towards your next book. In my book notebook, I keep character lists and descriptions 
any plot lines or scenes that I want to write. I also have an agent tracker, so when I was searching for literary agents, I would write down anybody within my genre and all of their contact info and whether or not they got back to me or not. I also kept a written word count tracker. Again, I prefer Excel for this, but I have both because I like to write it down and then also have it documented in a nice Excel spreadsheet. I also use my book notebook for mini journal entries. If something big happens throughout my publishing journey, I want to remember it and I'll log it there. Like I met with my literary agent today or I got a publishing deal today. Things like that. I really wanted to document my mood and the emotions in real time. A seventh notebook idea and one that I have is for my podcast. If you don't have a podcast, you could use this one for your website or blog post ideas. Really any passion project, maybe it's a YouTube channel, whatever it is, it's great to have a separate notebook for keeping track of all of these ideas and things you want to implement. In my Wordweaver podcast notebook, I keep track of guests that I'd love to interview or guests that have actually contacted me who would like to be on the show, the date that we'll be recording our interview, any questions, the date that I will be editing, the date that it'll go live, and then I also write down any topics that I want to talk about. I'll take those topics and then I'll jot down any points that I want to say and get across. I'll try to script something. I don't like to have my podcast too scripted, but of course I like to know exactly what I'm going to say, the recording date, when I'll edit it, when I will write the summary for the show notes, when I will create the social graphics, the captions for social media, what day the podcast will go live, all of that. I keep track in my podcast notebook. I know that a lot of people might think that podcasting is just grabbing a mic and recording whatever comes to mind. To be honest, I kind of used to think that too, like, oh, podcasting sounds so fun. You just sit in your room and talk about whatever you want to talk about. Honestly, I can say it is nothing, nothing like that at all. Podcasting is way more tedious and time-consuming than even I initially imagined, and I just keep coming back to why I started it. It's because I love talking to people about all things bookish and writerly. I love hearing the words of wisdom and insights from authors, writers, creatives, entrepreneurs who are throughout different phases of the publishing journey. And then also I just really wanted to share everything that I've learned along the way because when I first started out, I really wished I'd had one dedicated resource of real talk of what it's like to write an article, write a book, and how to get that published. Anyway, I know I'm getting off on a little tangent here, but if there's anything, you're a writer out there or a reader or you want to publish a book and there's something that I haven't talked about yet that you really want to know more about, message me, shoot me a DM, write it in the comments on the Instagram page or on iTunes, and I will talk about it or get an expert on the podcast who will. My podcast notebook also keeps track of all of the technical things that I've had to learn, like how to set up two microphones to GarageBand. Because for some reason, every time I go to interview someone, I always have to revert back to this page in my notebook. It's so confusing. There's all these little steps and I'm not techie in this sense. So It's been helpful to have this separate notebook. I just know I go pick it off the shelf. This one is dedicated to the Word Weaver podcast. My eighth notebook is dedicated to all things travel. 
I think most people love to travel. I love to travel and see the world from a new perspective. It allows me to get out of my comfort zone. And it's my favorite, favorite, favorite thing to do to visit new places, experience new cultures, meet new people. That's what feeds my soul and really allows me to be truly creative. Whenever I visit a new place, I never know if I'm going to be back again. So I'm always worried that I'm going to be there and then come home and realize, oh my God, I was right beside the world's coolest bookstore and I didn't even go because I never researched it or asked someone what I should see or do in a certain place. That's why in my travel notebook, I always make sure to ask friends and family if they've ever been somewhere, and I always write down their favorite restaurant or coffee shop or bookstore so I don't miss it if I ever go to that destination. And then I also keep track of my own travels in my own favorite places whenever I go somewhere so that if someone asks me for a recommendation, I can give them a curated and vetted list of all of my favorite spots. I always keep a dream travel bucket list in my travel notebook of spots that I want to see in my life, and it's really, really satisfying being able to cross them off when I go, or kind of planning ahead, knowing that, okay, I will see those in 2020, even though that feels far away now, at least I know that it's kind of in my radar for that year, and a really big place that I want to go to, hopefully in 2019, we'll see, but... I really, really am dying to go to Japan. I want to go to Tokyo and Kyoto. If I'm able to squeeze it into one trip, I would even love to do the North Island and go skiing. I know that's asking for a lot, so maybe just the first time I go to Japan, Tokyo and Kyoto are number one on my bucket list. My ninth notebook is for budgeting and finance. I know, I know, I know this is really boring and also does not sound like something a writer should be concerned with tracking or having a notebook But I promise you it is. It's part of tracking and documenting daily life, especially if you're self-employed and a freelance writer like me. Documenting any expenses and all client interactions and transactions is super, super important. When it comes to budgeting and finance, I know a lot of people prefer to use apps or budgeting documents in Excel, which I also use on a monthly basis, but on a day-to-day basis, I try to document everything in my budgeting and finance notebook, even if I get a coffee or a latte or Uber Eats order, and I keep track of the corresponding receipts. I have unfortunately had my credit card compromised before, and it was really easy, fortunately, to go back into my notebook on that exact day and confirm what I had spent. There's also something to the act of physically writing down what you're spending your money on that keeps you accountable in a way that swiping or tapping your credit and debit card doesn't. I know it sounds like an annoying extra step to write down what you are spending your money on each day, but I have found that it's the best way to gain an inventory of what I spend my money on each month. Again, a lot of people prefer different apps that do whole pie charts and track this for you. I just found that I never actually went into that app and documented what I spent my money on. And I think my dad's gone into my brain where he doesn't trust these apps. He thinks that that's how hackers get into your bank accounts. So I think like that too in a weird way. And he's also taught me that cash is king. So oftentimes I'll take one month. I'm going to try to do it for November where I take out all of the cash that I want to spend in the month and I document what I spend that cash on. There's something about physically handing over a bill and writing in a notebook that makes you way more aware of your budget. 
Otherwise, it's far too easy to think of your credit card as kind of monopoly money. It's fake money that you're just tapping away. And I have a lot of financial goals that I want to accomplish in my life. So I'm trying in some small weird way through writing to keep myself accountable in this little notebook. And last but not least, my 10th notebook is for something that I call holy shit moments. I didn't create this idea and I forget which author I saw it on their Instagram story once a couple years ago. Otherwise, I would totally give them credit. I do remember though that they said they found out about holy shit moments from someone else. So whoever invented it, thank you because I think it's genius and it's my new favorite notebook. Firstly, I keep a holy shit moments list taped to my wall above my desk and it's all related to book things because that is my number one goal that I want to accomplish in my life right now. Basically, the idea behind holy shit moments or HSM lists is that there are so many things that happen in our lives that are amazing accomplishments. They're goals that we've set out or strive to achieve that we just let pass by. It's all too easy to let these moments slip by unnoticed or unappreciated because of the speed of our world and technology these days. Keeping up with the pace of all of the things that we want to do, there's always something bigger and better that we want to achieve. That's why I have found it so incredibly beneficial to keep track of these holy shit moments that literally make you go, holy shit, that was crazy, or holy shit, that was so cool. No one else is going to do that for you if they're goals that you have set out to achieve. You have to be the one to harness that, look at it, and appreciate, wow, that actually happened. The checklist that I have on my wall is super helpful for me right now, but I also have created a separate holy shit moments notebook because there are some things that, A, I don't want to be that public on my wall, And they don't have anything to do with my book. It could be something really small that my boyfriend did that I want to acknowledge and appreciate and recognize that, holy shit, that was like a big thing that happened in my life. And if I don't document it, if I don't write it down, it might pass me by and I might forget about it or not appreciate how momentous that milestone truly was. For you, if you're going to make a holy shit moments, or you can say holy crap or anything else, you don't have to actually swear in this notebook, but for you, it could just be anything that you think is really cool or that was a huge moment in my life. The HSM list that I have taped to my wall is all about my book. As I said, that's my next big life goal that I really want to accomplish. And some things that I have on there are write a book that I have colored in a little square. I have crossed that off in gold pen because holy shit, I wrote a manuscript. I actually wrote a book. That is crazy. And then the next thing below that I think I have colored in and crossed out is get a literary agent. And that is something that's, wow, a huge holy crap, this really happened kind of moment. And you can see the progression of these things that you've done already because it's so easy to focus on I'm only accomplished when I see the book on shelf or when the book is published. And yes, that is also way down on my list, something that I hope to cross off as a holy shit moment. But there are so many little things and so many little moments leading up to that that you shouldn't let pass by unacknowledged. 
There are so many other ways that you can fill your notebooks. These are just a few of my favorite things that I like to do, but I would love to hear how you fill your notebooks. I'm always looking for new inspiration and other people might be as well. So feel free to leave those in the comment section on the show notes, on iTunes, or as a comment on Instagram. Hopefully at least one of these 10 things has inspired you to get writing and to filling your favorite notebook. Thank you for listening to this chapter of the Word Weaver podcast. As always, the show notes are available at louiseclairjohnson.com slash podcast, and you can follow along on Instagram at wordweaverpodcast. If you like what you heard today, feel free to leave a review in iTunes, as it really does help more people find out about the Word Weaver podcast. Until next time! I had a wait with words for a while.